Hey everybody, this is Matt. And I'm Ashley. Today we're going to talk about three things we both have learned in marriage over the last 10 years, our funniest dating stories, and things that annoy us the most about each other. Welcome to the Tech Talks Podcast, helping you turn adversity into victory. Whether you're an entrepreneur, corporate professional, or stay-at-home parent, the Tech Talks Podcast provides relevant advice and inspiration as you navigate your career, calling, and daily life. Let's get started with your host, Matt Tech. So, babe. Yep. So we're supposed to be sharing with people what annoys us the most about the other person. <laughs> we didn't talk about this ahead of time. I basically just gave you a sheet and you have notes. So we didn't pre-plan this. So let me put on my big boy pants. What about me? annoys you the most well after 11 years of that you know rushing river rolling over you you slowly become smoothed over like a pebble under the water being beaten down no i'm kidding um that's pretty harsh (laughs) i said i'm kidding (laughs) I really have gotten used to all of your quirks, so not a whole lot annoys me anymore. One thing that I've grown accustomed to after 11 years are your piles. My piles? You are a pile maker. I, when we first got together... What do I make piles of? Well, I'm getting to that. When we first got together, I, you had gone from your mo- mom and dad's house to college living and sharing a house with some roommates but they were all pigs Hmm. aka college guys i had lived on my own since i was 18 and this was i was 24 when we got together so i'd lived on my own for a few years had my own apartment always lived by myself i was very organized very fastidious with my home and even had a cleaning chore chart on what days of the week i did certain tasks that's just who I am. I'm a list maker. When we got together, my biggest pet peeve, and I think some of the worst fights we had were over the fact that you just were like, it's my house. And if I want to throw crap on the floor and not pick it up for a week, <laughs> I will. If I want to leave garbage on the floor till I feel like picking it up, oh, I on. will. I didn't do that. If I want to treat my back seat as a dumpster. I do do that. I will. do that. And so those kinds of things, I was just like, okay, obviously we are coming from two different schools of thought. He's never had to be like responsible all on his own for keeping up the cleanliness of a living space. So I kind of choked that bile of bitterness down for a long time. Now I'm just, you know, it is what it is. After 11 years, I'm like, you know what, if you were gone and I lost you today, Tomorrow, I'd wish I saw those piles on the floor. So it's really perspective that's changed me. Hmm. Piles. Piles. Now that I'm looking around the room, I do see piles. (laughs) Piles of dirty clothes on the floor. (laughs) Piles of technology. Piles of books in another Hmm. corner. Piles of notebooks and pens by the chair. Piles. For those who are watching the podcast, uh, to my left, I see a pile of cords and technology stuff to my right i see a pile of what i'm hoping is dirty clothes because i would never put clean clothes on the floor i hope Psh. but you're 
your right piles. Okay, it's my turn. It's my turn. Ask me. I just want you to ask me the question. What's something that I do or did that annoys you? Three words, honey. Long story short. (laughs) Anytime she starts a story with the words, a long story short, it is never short. It is always long. And be prepared for all kinds of tangents, sidebars, magical flourishes of adjectives you've never heard before, all to tell a point that sometimes she even forgets before she gets there. I wouldn't say I forget. Just buckle up when you get long story short. And for a while, I think I even was kind of a butthole. You would stop me in mid story. Babe, just tell me, I've heard enough. I don't need any more. Yeah. But over time, I've I've enjoyed the way that you tell stories, and I know that you enjoy telling them. And same, I'm with, a detail person. I know. Same, I need details. Same with the piles. If you were gone tomorrow, I would have wished I had a ten minute conversation with you than a two minute one. You know, I think it's perspective. It's still slightly annoying, but I'm less annoyed today than I was eleven years ago from it. Yeah. Perspective is everything because we have a friend from church who had been married for 20 years. They have five children. And within the last two years, he went from having massive headaches to finally going to the hospital to check it out to having a brain tumor, finding out that it was a cancerous, deadly brain tumor. And then in 18 months, going on hospice and passing away. So watching my friend go through that process and now she's a couple months on the other side of him being gone mm. and her posts on, uh, on social media sometimes are just like, they, they're so heartbreaking and they knock the wind out of you at, you know, I was so mad at him for leaving whatever out. And now I wish I could still see, you know, his mess on the counter mm. or, You know, I got after him all the time for leaving his tools all over the place. And now I give anything to have him here so I could yell at him for these things or Hmm. just little things like that where you take things for granted in life and you get so mad about trivial stuff. But when it's gone, you wish that it was there so you could fight with the person over the goofiest little things. So definitely, you know. Not to put a heavy, you know, rain cloud over the conversation, but that's definitely helped my perspective on... You're getting a little misty-eyed over there, babe. Is this <laughs> really that important in the grand scheme of things? Yeah. Now, what about... What are three things that you've learned about marriage, being married to yours truly over the last decade? First one, choose your battles. Gotta choose your battles. Um, second... Just because it works my way doesn't mean it won't work someone else's way. And you've also, as a couple, you have to figure out how to do things your way, not his way, not my way, not this is how my parents did it. I think a lot of people go into marriage thinking that they've got it all figured out and it's my way or the highway. And Mm -hmm. really our biggest struggle the first half of our marriage was trying to figure out a new way to do things Mm -hmm. as a couple. 
And number I think it's rich that some of the folks that we've gotten advice from are like on husband number five. (laughs) Yeah. So you gotta you gotta choose who you yeah yeah choose who you get your advice from too. Yeah. Um, And number three, you gotta work it in order for it to work. And what Mm. I mean by that in the bedroom, don't make me start singing Missy Elliott here. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So you gotta work it in order for it to work. Then you have to drop down, flip it, and reverse it. Yeah. You totally got me thinking of the music video there. <laughs> anyway, to make... Is that the one where she's wearing like a garbage bag? I think so. I digress. Oh anyway, my we're, ta- we're trying to talk about something important here, folks. Yeah. So, point number three. You <laughs> gotta work it. She's choosing her battles right now. In order for it to work. <laughs> First point. You got to invest in your relationship. Date nights are so important. And I know this is something that we struggle with because we put it on the calendar and it doesn't happen. Or we put it on the calendar and our babysitter falls through. But instead of just letting it get canceled or letting it fall through, you know, we could be better about saying, well, we can't go out to dinner and a movie, but we can put the kids to bed and have dinner and a movie at home. Mm -hmm. Or we can sit on the patio And enjoy, you know, some iced tea and make dinner out there or whatever. You know, you don't always have to go out somewhere for a date. But it's important. The things that you enjoyed as a dating couple that brought you together, that made you fall in love under the stars. Hmm. You know, holding each other's hands, just staring into each other's eyes. You know, now some married couples can't even sit and talk to each other for more than five minutes without getting annoyed and frustrated. So it's really important to keep that connection going through date night. The second thing is kind of piggybacking off of that. You need to not just have those day-to-day conversations of where you going, what you doing, how much money you got to spend, what bills are due, where the kids got to go. But you really need to have those quality conversations that Hopefully you had when you were dating, when you were first married, when you were young and in love and you wanted to find out and to know everything about the person and how they ticked and what made them work and their likes and their dislikes. And, you know, your spouse is a human being. And as humans, we continue, hopefully we continue to grow and to evolve and to change. And as we grow, evolve and change, so do our likes and dislikes. And so uh, I think it's really important to at least, you know, in a dream world, it'd be every day, mm-hmm. but at least once or twice a week, just take half hour when the kids are in bed or they're watching a movie or playing quietly and just really try and have a quality conversation with your spouse. And then lastly, learn each other's love languages. And if you don't know what that is, I'm sure Matt will probably do a books. Oh, I can that, pitch it. Yeah. Books, books that have changed my life. He'll probably do one of those on the five love languages by Gary Chapman. But um, that's something that I struggle with more than he does and implementing that because I know how to show love in the way I receive love. And fun fact, Matt and I are polar opposites. Mm-hmm. So or my polar opposites in love languages and on the personality scale. Yeah. So opposites did attract uh-huh. in this case, but for myself, I am acts of service. And what surprised me for my second thing was I enjoy receiving gifts. And um, Matt is physical touch and he is words of affirmation. So I do not, I could probably live in the woods in a cabin on my own isolated for weeks and weeks and weeks before I would need 
a hug or a physical touch or kind words of affirmation. And I'd be okay with that. Mm -hmm. But I have to realize that he's not wired that way. And he likes being around people and he likes being around me. And he enjoys that, you know, pat on the back or the handhold or the hug or the kiss. And he, you know, he thrives off of my encouraging words. And so I just have to constantly remind myself that the way I'm molded and formed is not the way he is. So I really have to realize that we are wired differently for sure. Mm -hmm. And we react differently because I can clean the whole house and wash his clothes and fold them neatly and put everything in the right drawer and think, wow, I just did all this for him and he's going to see it and appreciate it and know I did this out of, you know, the deepest love in my heart for him. <laughs> and to him, he's like, why'd you bother? You could have just left my laundry in the basket. I get more out of a back scratch. Yeah. So, yeah. so I had to learn that the things that are fulfilling to me that says, you know, I love you to me, aren't necessarily the same things that say it to him. So mm-hmm. what makes it <clears throat> harder for us is that they're the opposites. The ways that you like to be shown love are not things that I am good at doing or am chores gifted at doing housework in the way that same thing with same piles, thing, same thing with me. Ask me, Matt, what are the top three things you have learned through marriage? Aha. So what I've learned is that you shared a little bit of this, but that communication is key. There was a there was a time frame after our honeymoon stage where the only thing that we really communicated was what Bill's getting paid today, where is Ziva going, you know, who's picking the kid up. We would just talk about oh, what shows are we going to watch tonight. Yeah. Logistical stuff, who's taking which car, you know, all that. But we like we didn't talk about goals. We didn't talk about dreams. We didn't talk about desires. We didn't really go on date nights. We had a kid and we did what most parents do. And we centered the relationship around the kid. And spoiler alert, your children are actually not supposed to be more important on the priority scale than your spouse. And that's the second point. But before I get to the second point, the communication you had said, what was your third point on the last What was number three on number three? Number three on number three was learning each other's love languages. Love languages. Yes. You talked about physical touch. This might be taboo, but physical touch, while it doesn't just include sex, includes sex. Sex is sex is a taboo subject, but it's incredibly important for a healthy marriage. In fact, I was listening to a podcast the other day where their intro was funny, but it was true. And their intro was something like. Welcome to the blah, 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 fun cast where marriage is hip, dating is fun, and scheduling sex takes the guesswork out of when you're going to get some, which was funny because I enjoy physical touch. You know, Ashley, it's not strong on her love language, just like I'm not good at doing housework and that's strong on her love language. You can't just wait for it to happen. You have to to be intentional about those things. And so one of the things that we did is we, we schedule sex. That's, that's what we do. Hey, it's this day. Hey, it's this day. And people listening to this, they're probably going to be like, oh, why are they talking about sex? Well, sex is a very integral part of a healthy marriage because it's, it's connection. Because no matter what love language you are, it's about connecting with your spouse. And that's what it does. That's what the physical touch does. That's what serving them does. That's what giving them a gift. It's, it's all about the connection. 
But moving on to point two, when I said that your spouse has priority over your children, that's not a very popular stance nowadays. Most marriages today are tied together by the kids. And then when problems arise and you don't work on your relationship with your spouse, there's a lot of marriages today that struggle, but they stay together, quote, for the kids. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, whatever marriage you have is a model that you're creating for your kids to follow. Your kid's marriage is going to be a replica of the one that you have. You and your spouse were together before the kids got there. So if you don't prioritize your spouse, you create an environment of resentment and you end up resenting each other for shifting your focus when in fact you become better parents when you keep the order correct. And and the order is it's God first, yourself, your spouse, and your children. And the reason it's in that order is because God is obviously the first. Somebody told me that you want to meet a spouse, a potential spouse that loves the Lord more than they will ever love you. So God's number one. Yourself is number two. It's the same reason why when the oxygen masks come down in the plane, you got to put yours on before you put someone else's on. And that's because you have to take care of yourself because if you're not taking care of yourself, you can't be the best for the person sitting next to you. And so it's God, then it's you, then it's your spouse, and then it's your children. And the reason, again, that it's your spouse before your children is because if you and your spouse don't have a healthy relationship with each other, then your children don't get the full benefit of both parents. They only get parts of parents. They get parents that are resenting each other. They get parents that are bitter at each other. They've gotten parents that have shifted the focus away from each other and onto the kids and have held up kids as idols. In fact, there's a good book by Ed Young called Kids CEO, which outlines why the order is what it is and how to obviously still keep your kids as a priority while not neglecting where your priorities should be. And then the last one is don't count on the other person to make you happy. And I think the popular saying today is that everybody's looking for their other half, their better half, which which implies that I'm only going to give half. I give 50%, they give 50, and that makes 100. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not really the way that it works. Bo- both of you have to be at 100. In fact, you and I, when we were dating, we broke up over this because both you and I had come from previous engagements. And while we were dating, we had kind of recognized that we were leaning on each other for a lot of the the growth with the Lord that we were supposed to be doing individually. And so we broke up and talked about that. We need to be okay by ourselves first. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I don't think we were as wise. I think that was a lot of God just pushing us in that direction, but we broke up for like a month or so and then got back together, you know, stronger. And now we're. Yeah. I definitely think it was more of a, just, you need to refocus on where and who your center is because we've been told by society, you know, look for you're my better half. You know, you complete me. You hear all these romantic cliches, but when you really think about it, do you want to marry and spend the rest of your life with a person who's only half of who they should be? Who's, you know, a broken piece. People are like my missing piece to my puzzle. Like, Do you want a broken, half-fulfilled person as a partner? Or do you want a person who is all there, 100%, ready to go? And then when you're feeling down and you're weak and you're in hurt and pain and trouble, 
they're already 100%, so they can make up for what you're lacking in those downtimes, mm-hmm. not, oops, sorry, I'm only half full of a person <laughs> that I need to be, so I can't be there for you. Yeah. So I really think that whole, you know, my better half, my missing half, for all those single people out there that are still looking for that better half, you might want to start looking for that person who is a whole person. Yeah, be a whole you first. Yeah. If you're putting your happiness dependence on a person. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen because people always fail you. They will always fail you because people are people. People make mistakes and people are fallible and we are selfish. And it's not fair to put that type of pressure on somebody. Like imagine that I were to come to Ashley and she feels like my happiness is solely dependent on what she does. That is... That's basically what we're saying here. And that's a huge burden for that's someone. A huge burden. And it's and it's undue pressure because now you have to be that source of happiness for them. But how can you be a source of happiness when when your source of happiness is relying on them and theirs is relying on you? It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. That being said, what is the source? The source is God. It has to be all the time. Picture a triangle. Now at the the top point of the triangle, so it's flat on the bottom, pointy at the top. Picture that the the top point of the triangle is God and the lower two points are you and your spouse. Now, as you guide those points up towards the top point, which is God, what happens as you move up that line? Two things. One, you're both getting closer to God, the top point, but two, the gap between you gets smaller and smaller and smaller. As you pursue the Lord together a natural byproduct of that is you get closer to each other, more intimacy, more, more love, you know, more relationship. You have to put God at the center of it. I think that's something that we've always done, but I mean, over, over 11 years, you're bound to make a mistake. And sometimes we, we've lost focus on that and just had to make sure that we come back to center come back to focusing on the Lord. Yeah. Usually whenever we have a few weeks of feeling like we're in a tailspin, and absolutely everything is just like falling to pieces and the kids are acting crazy and we're acting crazy and we're snapping at each other. Kids are always crazy. Yeah. Well, there's crazy and then there's like postal. But it's usually because one of us or both of us have let the stressors of our life Mm -hmm. distract us from really focusing in on God and allowing, you know, our mornings to start out quietly. And, you know, it's y'all, it takes sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I am not a morning person at all. I am. To have quiet time to myself, to have an hour to be able to write my thoughts down in a journal, to read my daily devotion, to read the word of God, to spend an hour talking to my spouse about life and dreams and goals like Matt talked about. That is so crucial to the health of a relationship. And when we get busy, and we, I think we've learned in the last couple of years, but before that that time, it was kind of like a you know barometer, I guess, if that's the right analogy. You could tell where our marriage was going based off of if we were doing these things or not doing these things. Mm-hmm. Because we would look back and I'd say, why is everything just going to the crap? Mm-hmm. And it was usually for one of those few reasons. Another reason that just popped up in my head is 
I think that, you know, we don't have to share it on this, on this episode, but there have been times where things have kind of fallen apart where both of us were holding on to some sort of offense. You know, I didn't even understand that until I read The Bait of Satan by John Bevere just a few books ago, probably like a month or two ago, because I started reading that and I was like, "I, I don't get offended easy. But when I read that, there are things that I was holding on to that God even says, like, listen, don't even... Don't even approach the, don't even come into worship without first going and forgiving the person or seeking forgiveness. And I realized that there were so many things. So if I go back to, you know, things that have happened with us and when it's felt like a low, it usually stemmed from we were offended and hurt by somebody and we hadn't dealt with it. That is a whole other podcast episode that we won't get into but that ties up point three on mine. Now, before we end for today, can you tell the folks one of the funniest stories of when you and I were dating? I don't think we really had any like weird or haha funny stories. We had a lot of cheap dates because we were both oh boy. Yeah, we broke did. as a joke. <laughs> like our dates consisted I of- I hop in Denny's. I hop in Denny's and- a little unlimited uh, coffee, junky, dirty hole in the wall. Oh, and steak and shake. Yeah, steak and shake was like a step up. Steak and shake was like candlelight dinner to us. Yeah, but we had an old dingy movie theater that had like four dollar movies that we would splurge and do that. I can't remember any like weird or funny dates. We just had a lot of cheap dates. You couldn't find. A specific story. I ha- I actually have two stories that I couldn't really? choose choose between, and they're more while we were dating. Yeah, or when we were first married. No, we were dating. Okay, they're more embarrassing on my part, which it's easy for me to tell on myself. So there's two. Do you remember how big of a deal it was to me with the first time we ever held hands? Oh yeah, yeah. What do you remember about that? Well, like he mentioned before, when we got together, he was like four or five months post breakup from his girlfriend slash fiance. And I was probably three months from being out of relationship with an ex fiance. So we. Um, there was chatter know. going around the church that yeah. we were already dating each other and it was so soon. And- well, we had known each other for over a year. Yeah. While we were in previous relationships. So we kept any sort of affection out of the public. Like we yeah. Just because we didn't want the questions. So we didn't, we didn't hold hands in public. We didn't, we didn't really even like sit next to each other in church. Like nothing to give it away. Yeah. But the first time I ever held your hand like officially as boyfriend and girlfriend, you lived with Matt and Natalie mm-hmm. and we were downstairs and I was sitting on the floor. You were sitting on... I think the couch or something. Yeah. And I remember looking at you and I was like, my heart was pitter pattern. I was like, I just want to, I want to hold her hand and I want to, I was going to ask her to hold her hand. So I looked up and I said, Hey, would you be okay? Would it be, um, is, how do I say this? Would it, I was like trying to figure out the words to say, I was like, would it be okay if I held your hands? I can see the look on your face that I was maybe about to ask something more. Like, can we make this Facebook official or can I kiss you or something like that? You mean MySpace official? Oh, yeah. My, that was the thing at the time. Yeah. Because that's how we talked. We messaged on MySpace. Oh, we're old. But to you, it was like not a big deal. Yeah. 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 Let's hold hands. And to me, it was like, 
it's the next step. It's the next step. That was a little embarrassing. The other one, though, that I think I was, this is probably the one I was going to share if you had a story, but it was the first time that I admitted to anybody that I actually was in love with you. The first person I told wasn't you. It was Natalie. I think we had just gotten back from the movies. We were in Natalie's living room. I was on the floor. You were on the couch sleeping, supposedly. I was sleeping. You were not. Was too. And Natalie was on the other couch. And Natalie and I were talking about something. And Natalie just looks at me and says, hey, do you love her? And I quickly looked at you and I wanted to make sure that you were sleeping. So I don't want you to hear anything. I looked over at you. I was like, okay, she's sleeping. And you sleep like with your eyes half open. And you were doing that. So the eyes were half open. It's like, okay, she's sleeping. And I looked back at Natalie. I said, yeah, I think I do love her. It wasn't until after we were married years later that you were like, yeah, I totally heard that. I totally oh, yeah, heard that. I about that. <laughs> yeah, I was just pretending to be asleep. So those are some of the, besides all the cheap days, those are some of the, the funny things yeah. about dating. We don't really have a whole lot of weird, funny stories. No. We got some zingers in our first couple years of marriage, that's for sure, from... From living under a crack addict's apartment to uh, adopting an outside cat to, oh man, I think we moved like four times in the first two years. Yeah, we got some zingers. Maybe we'll do an episode like the early years of marriage yeah. and just bust open those raw stories. Yeah, I affectionately would joke with people and they'd be like, oh, how how are the newlyweds? How? How's the honeymoon stage? I'm like, I'll let you know when I get back from hell. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. But we're here on the other side now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. I, th- I think that's all we're going to talk about today. We'll probably do some more of these just marriage chats about, you know, things that we're learning and that we're picking up along the way. Because even though we've been married for over 10 years, we're, to most people, that's a long time. It is a long time. You know, a decade's a I've been with you for a third of my life now, and I've learned a lot, grown a lot. I think it's cool to be able to do life with someone that you care about and that you love. And a lot of people out there that either have that and don't know it, don't have it yet. Or there's like a there's like a key to unlock this potential that maybe somebody listening has in their marriage. You know what I mean? Like somebody listening probably has just like an average marriage. And I don't think you and I have an average marriage. I think that we take our best effort to make it a great marriage. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people out there that just have average. And I'm just hoping that maybe some stuff that we've been through or learned can help somebody just unlock that box of potential and move it to the next step and have a great marriage. Because a great marriage is super fun. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of fun. Well, and whenever you're giving your best... 100% of the time and they're giving their best 100% of the time. You don't feel like you're pulling all the weight or the majority of the weight. You feel like the load is distributed equally. And so it definitely, you know, there's going to be hard times and hard days. But whenever you're both performing it and, you know, going through life, giving it your 100% effort, it definitely makes your days go by a lot easier. Yeah. Well, until our next marriage chat or whenever I decide to bring Ashley back on the microphone, this is fun. We should do this more often for sure. But until next time, guys, have an awesome day. Adios. This episode of Tech Talks has ended, but be sure to subscribe for upcoming inspiration. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you transformative content. See you next time.